Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that much. That is certainly the invitation that God gives to each and every one of us today. Whether you come for salvation, to put your faith and trust in Him, and to find that rest to your soul, or for you as a believer, your many burdens, the many cares that you might have, God is inviting you even this day to cast them upon Him, to come unto Him, and allow Him to help you with that burden. Psalm chapter 145. Psalm chapter 145. I'd love for you to join us there if you would. The title of this morning's message is In Case of Emergency. In Case of Emergency. And uh, we'll be in Psalm chapter 145 in a moment. But the title is In Case of Emergency. And uh, we all know what this is, right? You've seen these before. In fact, we have some scattered throughout our own uh, uh, building here. Uh, in case of emergency, what are you supposed to do? Break the glass. And the ones here, you have an extinguisher in case there's a fire or something like that. There's actually one in the foyer. There's some other places too. You break the glass. We've also seen these. And we have these scattered throughout the, the building too. Something you pull down to uh, make an alarm to allow the fire department know. We have some down in the gym. And wouldn't you know it, some balls sometimes hit it and make them go off and, uh, and things like that. But we have those scattered. We, you understand if there's an emergency, you pull down on it. That'll contact the emergency responders and so forth and such in many of our rooms around here in fact it's our goal by the end of the year to have them in every room as part of our emergency response plan binder but we have these what are these well emergency evacuation plans right where to leave and uh, where the closest exit is and uh, you see an exit here highlighted if you ever need to get out of here quickly not during a sermon okay uh, unless there's an emergency or something like that but that is an exit right and so those things tell us in a case of emergency here's what you do where to go where to evacuate the building when there's an emergency from my childhood, I remember this well, and uh, you remember the old terminology, stop, drop, and roll? And uh, when someone's on fire, it's kind of a graphic graphic, isn't it? And uh, I'm going to stick figure on fire. But anyway, and uh, yeah, if you ever find yourself on fire for whatever reason, things like that, stop, drop, and roll. I remember I was playing around, not playing around, I was burning some brush. I decided uh, the fire wasn't going well enough. I added gasoline to it. That's never a good thing to do. And so I remember thinking my eyelashes were gone. And so I just hit the ground and I think I started rolling. And anyway, so it's good to remember, stop, drop, and roll. If you ever think you're on fire, that is a good response to such an emergency as we have. Probably the most well-known phone number across the United States. It is involved in cases of emergency, right? Dial 911. And uh, we've had an epidemic, no pun intended, uh, recently in America of people calling 911 because uh, their order wasn't right. Things like that. Dumb things happening, not true emergencies and things like that. It's quite funny and sad at the same time. But 911 is the number we call, right? Um, I Beginning in the ministry i taught fifth grade i was a fifth grade teacher in a christian school i had 25 students my very first year of teaching and uh I, I, we were taking field trips i wanted to have the best field trips we could have and them to be orderly and organized and go wonderfully well and uh, because uh, parents were trusting me with their children and so we planned one for the indianapolis zoo indianapolis zoo and so i took 25 on a bus we went to the indianapolis zoo it was a little colder of a day but we were there i split all the kids up in groups with parents and such and and i took a group and, and the morning went great. We decided to meet back at the bus and uh, for lunch. We brought sack lunches and things. And so we came back to the bus. We began eating lunch. And as we did, uh, first of all, a police, guy, uh, a police cruiser comes flying in. His lights are going. His sirens are going. Like, well, what in the world? He parks in front of the Indianapolis Zoo. Then all of a sudden, a second one comes. Then a third one comes. And I go, this is what, what's going on. Did something happen? I'm glad I, all my kids are here on the, on the bus and things like that. And uh, then all these police officers start walking towards the bus. 
Now that's just an encouraging sight. Can I just tell you? When you're the one in charge of everything, it's just an encouraging sight. The police officers come, and, and I step down because I was the leader to meet, and he goes, uh, um, we had somebody call 911. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> this is wonderful. What had happened was one of my boys decided, one of my class decided to call 911 at a phone inside the Indianapolis Zoo. He wanted to show his friends how he could call 911. Oh, he showed them all right. <laughs> Police officer came in, he stood on that bus, he said, all right, which one of you called 911? And you can imagine everyone was scared to death. These are fifth graders. And uh, he asked it again, I need to know who did it. And man, I was just, I'm giving the evil eye, I'm talking about demerits, I'm talking about everything. Somebody better own up to this. And all of a sudden, a young boy named Chris, was his name Christopher, he raised his hand and they took him off that bus and they reamed him up one side and down the other. And, uh, and his mom was there, so I was glad for that. And, uh, and they gave him the lecture of his life and told him, don't you ever call this unless it's an emergency, this 911, that's for an emergency. So that's a good lesson for all of us to learn. Any children here, uh, teenagers, anybody who's uh, still a child stuck in a adult's body don't call 911 unless it is a true emergency what do all of these things have in common whether it's the phone number 911 whether it's stop drop and roll and and the uh the break the glass to get a fire extinguisher what what do they have all in common well they're the desired response in the case of an emergency in fact if you saw a fire it would be good for us to go out there break the glass grab the fire extinguisher if there was an emergency transpiring in our facility, go, go pull that, that lever down and, and allow everybody to call 911, whatever the case may be. These are the desired responses in the face of an emergency. We'd go on, we'd say that this, they are things that we are instructed to do. We repeat them often. What do we do with an evacuation plan? Well, in a Christian school or other places, often you will practice that. We'll practice where to go during a tornado. You'll practice where to go during a fire and uh, things like that. You practice them. They are instructions to follow things we have learned to do when confronted with a physical emergency of one sort or another. There are some here who are trained in how to respond to an emergency. Someone stops breathing, and uh, you've got maybe your CPR card and things like that and such, and you, you've been trained, you've been instructed how to respond to an emergency. Certainly, these things are helpful. They're beneficial. They, they have saved lives in, during past emergencies. They can make a difference when we are prepared with a proper response to an emergency that comes our way. This morning, I'd like to ask you, are you prepared? Are you prepared? More importantly than physical emergencies, what about spiritual emergencies? Spiritual events and things that happen unplanned for that, that you aren't necessarily thinking, you know, this is on my schedule Monday, uh, this week, Tuesday, this is going to happen. These aren't on the schedule. An emergency that is spiritual is a situation, a circumstance that threatens to turn your world upside down spiritually. In other words, it, it is a challenge to your faith. The very faith that you cling to, the, the faith that you hold on to, it, it challenges what you know, what you believe. It threatens to wash away the very foundation of your faith, which is the foundation of your relationship with God. It threatens to weaken you spiritually. Now, such emergencies, uh, they come in all sizes, don't they? Big and small. A young child might cut their finger, and they're going to think an emergency, right? The way they react, the way they respond. They need a Band-Aid. They need a sport, and, and boy, it would be a great emergency. Well, in your life and mine, emergencies of the spiritual kind come in all shapes and sizes. They come at all different times. They're big and small, too. Often, they are connected to physical events, situations, circumstances. But regardless... There are spiritual emergencies we all face. 
And often weekly, if not daily, we face such emergencies. They test our faith. Our faith is tried. They threaten through the circumstances and situations of life that we all face to to erode some of our faith. So the question this morning is, are you prepared? How do you respond when such emergencies come up? When things happen in your life, and again, they may be tied to physical situations and circumstances, how do you respond? How will you respond this week when emergency comes? When we look across the pages of the scripture, we find David and other saints of old who were no strangers with such spiritual emergencies. I think David seems to face more than his fair share of difficulties, doesn't he? His is one of the lives that we have laid out for us almost beginning to end. Almost the entirety of it is, is on the pages of scriptures or presented to us on the pages of scriptures. And in that we see his hardships, we see his challenges, we see emergencies of all sorts. And may I just tell you, we, we see David heralded as a man after God's own heart. We see him in all the Psalms that he has written speak of faith and his trust in God. And that is true. He is a great example of such. But may I tell you today, I sure am thankful that right along with David's great victories like over Goliath and all the wondrous acts, the spiritual accolades we find, do you realize in David's life, as much as any, we find and read of his struggles, his failures, and his sins? They're presented to us. In much uh, a, a, a revealing way, transparent way, we realize that David was very much human like you and I. He faces similar struggles. He goes through difficulties, emergencies in life, both spiritual and physical at times. We face similar frequent struggles and challenges. It's revealed to us, David has ex- experienced on multiple occasions disaster striking. He faced an emergency. For him, like you and I, they are often both spiritual and physical things combined. He goes through the struggle of whether that emergency is going to defeat him in the moment, whether it will erode his faith, or will he react with a proper response? Is he truly prepared for what's coming? It is the challenge of today, the challenge of tomorrow, the spiritual challenge of continuing faith. Those circumstances will be terrible. Though events will happen that will challenge him. Will he maintain a proper response in the face of such emergency? I don't know about you, but as a child and a teenager, there would be times where I would be sitting maybe in class not listening or something like that, and I, I just kind of daydream about how would I react if this happened? How, how would I respond if this happens? What would I do in case of this emergency? What would I do in that, uh, that sense if I was faced with such a situation? We see this week, I want you to be prepared for any spiritual emergency that may arise. Anything you'll face this week and the days and the weeks to come. I believe God would have us to know exactly how to respond biblically when it happens. And though the temptation will be there to give in, the temptation will be given to to kind of falter in our walking by faith, we want to have a plan in place. We want to be prepared. A plan in place to both survive and thrive spiritually in the face of spiritual emergencies that come into our lives. And I believe David was such a man that attempted to routinely oh he failed he struggled he faced great challenges and yet he routinely tried to make sure that he was prepared his heart and mind were prepared look at psalm chapter 145 and i believe he gives us a glimpse into his heart and mind here in this passage it's a beautiful psalm we will read it in its entirety 
So follow along with me, if you will, Psalm chapter 145. If you need a copy of scriptures, there should be one there in front of you in the back of the pew. David writes this, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts. And I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord. And thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall. He raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and he will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. To that I say amen. It's a great psalm. As we consider Psalm 145, many of your Bibles will say at the top, they will classify it or characterize it as a David's psalm of praise. And so it is. We, we understand that. Why? He is worshiping God, no doubt. He is, he is extolling Him. He is glorifying God. W- what does that mean? Well, understand what He's doing in this, in, in this situation. In fact, we'll talk about here in a moment, you know, obviously the background and so forth of, the, of David and what he experienced and such. But the reality is this. Here's what He's doing. In this psalm, do you understand where He is looking where he is directing his attention, no matter what he's facing, and and I believe he is writing this in light of many of the instances and situations he found himself in. Many of the emergencies, both physical and spiritual, he found himself in. When he was tempted to give up, and God, God, you said I was going to be king, and look, Saul's chasing me, and and boy, I'm running for my life. God, God, you said this would happen, and and boy, it seemed like his faith was falter. He seemed like, man, life was just going to give him the final blow. You're In this psalm, it kind of reveals where his heart, where he has prepared his heart to respond to such things in his life. I want you to see, obviously, throughout the psalm, what is he doing? Number one, he's turning his eyes upon God. He's worshiping God, and he's turning his eyes upon God. He's looking to God. I think the hymn of old, boy, does it capture it well for you and I? And how often we found ourselves in the midst of a difficulty, the midst of a disappointment, the midst of heartbreak, the midst of some kind of emergency. We found that one of the greatest salves for our heart is looking to Jesus. The old hymn says it well, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. 
hymn writer would add in the chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's a great hymn. Captures this truth of even what Paul, or excuse me, what David has uh, presented to us here in this psalm. Our enemy wants just the opposite. In fact, if we could put it in a little statement, it'd be this. Satan wants to use life to cause our look to leave our Lord. Satan wants to use life. All the emergencies you and I face, all the situations and circumstances to affect our look, where we're looking, where we're turning our eyes upon. He wants to use life to affect our look at our Lord. He wants to get our eyes off of our God. One of the greatest things, the best things in response to any emergency we can do is to look to our Savior. He doesn't want us looking to God, or Satan doesn't. He doesn't want us looking to Savior because he knows that when our eyes are off our God, when our eyes are off our Savior, we will falter the most. And the emergencies of life will sink us. The things that come up in our lives, the disappointments, the discouragement, the disheartening things, the, the, uh, just the, the, the tragedies, you name it, from the smallest to the largest, they will sink us. He knows it. So what do we see in this psalm from David? Well, first, he's fixing his eyes upon God. And you and I must respond in the same way. But as he does so, here's the help for today. Here's the help in our response. What our response should be to every spiritual emergency that comes up. What is it? Well, number one, David points out something. Look at verse number three, if you will, with me. Verse number three is where he introduces. He says this, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Okay, so the desired response to emergency in our lives is this. You know what David says? Number one, remember that your God is great. Remember that your God is great. Now, this seems simple enough, okay? Uh, Yet David repeats it three times there. It means there's no comparison to our God. No matter the list, no matter the group that we may be discussing, discussing, God always comes out on top. In fact, did you see the, the classification, the characterization? He says his goodness is unsearchable. His goodness is unsearchable. You can't reach the end of it. Okay. Now, how do we make that practical today? Now, this is important because as you and I face an emergency, in fact, this week, you may face a situation, a circumstance that will be a spiritual emergency. Your faith will be tested. Your faith will be tried. Something may happen today, something that, that challenges your very faith. Here's where this practically is applied. It means when we read that God is great, that his greatness is unsearchable, It means that with every day that you and I face, you and I can simply say, God is greater than blank. Fill in the blank. Whatever it is you face, whatever you're going through, whatever challenge you may come up in your life, it does not matter. Fill in the blank. God is greater than blank. Some of you today, you walked in and your shoulders are weighed down heavily with a burden today. It has tested your faith. It has tried your faith this week. And maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe you've had a bad diagnosis from a health test. And uh, whatever the case may be. Maybe it's a relationship problem. Maybe it's a a headache that's come up at at your job, your workplace. Maybe it's just a basic need that you have in your life that hasn't been met as of yet. Maybe you're hurt this morning. Maybe someone has done something or they've said something to hurt you. 
Maybe you're in a seemingly hopeless circumstance. Maybe there's a prayer request you've been praying for for a long time, and it has gone unanswered. Whatever it is, you put it in the blank and remind yourself that your God is greater. Your God is greater. Seems so simple. Yet in the practical day-to-day living, we often fail to remind ourselves of this simple truth. We fail to take that emergency, that, that, that disheartening, heartbreaking situation, and we fail to put it in the blank. We fail to say, okay, God, I, this is happening. I don't understand why. I, I'm not sure why this is occurring. But, Father, I know that you are greater than this situation. See, I think David often found himself there. I think he learned to be ready <laughs> for the spiritual and challenges emergency that he faced. I believe he purposed in his heart, okay, in his mind, God, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I want to be the type of follower, the type of believer that takes every situation and puts it in the blank. My God is greater than blank. He's greater. Now, could you think back with me this past week? Do you have any disappointments? Did you have any situations that were heartbreaking Maybe situations that just discouraged you. Maybe just a situation that didn't go the way you wanted it to and it did not turn out the way that you would have desired. If we're honest this morning, couldn't we all say that we probably faced something this past week or the week before? I know personally, even this past week, there was a, at least a couple situations, a couple disappointments that I personally faced. It challenged my walking by faith, continuing to walk forward in faith and just trusting God through it and so forth. You ever struggle to do that i found myself in face of disappointment struggling until until i said all right god you're greater than this you're greater than this i don't see how it's going to work out and it hasn't worked out yet how i wanted it to It, it, it has discouraged me it has broken my heart in this situation but my father you are greater than this And my friend, can I tell you, you can be ready for any emergency that comes if you settle your heart that your God is great. He's greater. I, in 12 years, almost 13 years in FBC, I could not have imagined the things that we have faced as a church. They would have been difficult beyond my imagination to think of things that we have faced among the families here that are gathered together to worship our God But I'm telling you, every single one of those tragedies and emergencies that we've faced, our God has been greater. Our God has been greater. My friend, you want to know how to prepare for the future? Because I'll tell you right now, the future kind of looks scary, doesn't it? If we hadn't read the last book, it'd really be scary, or the last chapter. But it's kind of scary. What's going to transpire before the rapture? What's going to happen before you and I go to heaven? What's going to happen in our own lives? But can I tell you, I don't know it. I'm not a prophet. I don't know other than what God's word says. But this one thing I do know, our God is greater. And so my friend, this week and every day ahead of us, would you just purpose in your heart and in your mind, would you just say, okay, my God is greater than blank. When it comes up, would you say, I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to be ready. When this, when it, whatever happens this week, whenever Satan comes and, and or circumstances of life, they, they blow up and, and, and I'm tempted to be discouraged. I'm tempted to be disheartened. I, I'm tempted to get down in the dumps. I'm, I, I'm tempted to allow my faith to, to waver. 
Would you just say, Father, I'm sure I'm thankful that you are greater than this. Remember, your God is great. Number two, we find in verses 7 through 9. Look at it with me, verse 7 and following. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Verse number 9. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. You can probably guess it. Number one, remember that your God is great. Number two, remember that your God is good. Remember that your God is good. I find it amazing. Here is David, and he has faced great challenges, struggles, disappointments, emergencies throughout all his life. And he's saying, boy, I just remember that the Lord is good. I like what is conveyed to us even in these passages here. Literally, as he says and encourages us to turn our eyes upon God, what do we see? We find a face that conveys compassion and graciousness. And he says it's tender in mercy. Can I tell you, I've seen the hardest of faces. I've seen the hardest of people confronted with the face of a little baby a little child and all of a sudden the hardest face can break out into a smile it can be a tender face in response to that now can i tell you there is no hardness in our god and yet my friend every time that he looks upon you as you and i look to him it is a face that conveys compassion mercy and full of graciousness He is a good god He's a sovereign God that is good to all. We said, and David said, his greatness is unsearchable. May I just tell you this morning and remind you that our God's goodness is unending. We read the scriptures, and he sure was good uh, to Adam. He sure was good to Moses. He sure was good to Abraham. He sure was good to Paul. And he sure was good to the disciples in the early church. Our God has been good and it's been displayed throughout the pages of the scripture. And you know what Revelation says? In the end, our God will be good. You and I have heaven to look forward to. His goodness is unending. I like to think of it in terms of such. Wherever he is, his goodness is right there. Whatever he does, and it mentions his work, his goodness showers upon us or upon it. This goodness is the umbrella that covers every challenge and emergency situation we face from beginning to end. And there's an amazing vein of promises given to us that flows through the scriptures that demonstrate the goodness of God to us in every situation. Would you note this? You don't know about the goodness of God? Boy, it's from beginning to end. It is unending. Number one, the reality is this. God's goodness is witness in his intentions and purpose behind all he does and allows in my life. This will change, if you and I will wrap our mind and heart around this, we'll prepare for every emergency, it will change how we handle emergencies. God's intentions and purpose are good for you and I. Scripture is clear, and you probably thought of it immediately, Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good, to them that know and love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. It works together for good. In fact, can I just sum it up this way? Number one, again, God's goodness is witnessed in his intentions and purpose behind all he does and allows in my life. Can I just summarize it, if we might put it as such? A 
easier statement maybe to digest or to take with us every day to remind myself. Remember that my God is good. And one of the way that my, ways that my God is good is this. I can trust that His intentions are good. What He allows, what He brings. The intention behind it in the heart of God is always good. You ever meet somebody that has bad intentions? Anybody ever do something for you or to you and they had bad intentions? They're hoping it didn't go well and hope it didn't go right and so forth and uh, bad intentions, okay? Let me give you an illustration. One of the pranks down at camp that would often happen and, and uh, when we were a uh, youth pastor and youth, uh, my wife and youth pastor's wife and my wife, Erica, loves pranks. She would do pranks and teach the girls bad pranks. Shame on them. And, uh, but no, they would do pranks amongst themselves and other things, okay? One of the pranks they would often do, and have you ever done this? You take in an Oreo, take out the cream, you put toothpaste in it. Isn't that terrible? And then you go up and you take the cookie. Would you like a cookie to somebody? And boy, they bite into that and eh, that toothpaste. Okay, the intentions, right? We think, oh, their intentions. You're going to share your cookie with me, aren't you? Nice. And we take that cookie, we bite into it, <laughs> and all you taste is toothpaste. You see, we often think, and certainly there are many humans out there that have bad intentions. Can I tell you, if God ever offers you a cookie, you can be guaranteed it's the real thing. What do I mean by that? God's intentions are always what? Good. Why? How do we know that? Because God is good. God is good. His goodness, his goodness is unending. His ten intentions for whatever happens to you this week, and it may be the worst thing that you can imagine. This week, you could have a bad health result come in. You may lose a loved one this week. We could go down the list of the most terrible emergencies and tragedies. Can I tell you, you can trust that your God is good, and his intentions are good. Number two, you know how it's also witnessed? It's simply witnessed in this. God's goodness is witnessed in his faithfulness in the midst of what he does and allows my life. Man, I sure am thankful that we do not serve a God that creates us. He, he, he purchases us through Christ's death on the cross. He gives us a new life and then sends us on our way never to be a help again. I sure am thankful that that's not our God. The Bible tells us, and you know the passage as well, for he has said in Hebrews 13, Paul tells us, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'll be faithful. I'll be there every step of the way. I'll be with you. This life that I've given you, this life that I have blessed you with, I will be with you every step of the way. His goodness is seen in that. One of my favorite verses, and initially, obviously, is a promise to Israel, but it is a principle that is true for all of us that follow our God. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. And through the rivers, they won't overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Verse 5, he says this, fear not, for I am with thee. Every step of the way. The goodness of God is seen in this. Number one, okay, his goodness, he has good intentions. His intentions are always good for what he allows and what he brings. Number two, I can trust his participation will be for good. 
He'll be there. He'll be faithful. He'll be involved. He'll be active. His active participation will be for good. He'll be with me every step of the way. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. As the verse says, boy, if I I go through the floods, he'll be there. I go through the waters, he's going to be there. He will not suffer me to be burned. It's a great promise that our God's goodness is witness in the reality that he is faithful in every situation. The midst of of what he does and allow in my life i can trust his participation just as much as i can trust his intentions are good number three god's goodness is witness in the praiseworthy conclusion he will bring from what he does and allows in my life certainly in romans chapter 8 verse 28 all things work together for good intimates a conclusion so the conclusion he brings about will always be good, be a praiseworthy conclusion. I like what our Lord says, and it's a famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That conclusion. His, his goodness is going to show up in that. And so we can say it, put it this way, right? Um, I, I can trust that his intentions are always good. I can trust that his participation will be for good. And then number three, I, I can trust that the conclusion will be good. I can trust the conclusion. Have you ever read a book and you got to the end, the conclusion, and it was terrible? Why did they end it that way? Or a movie or something? Like, why did it end that way? That's terrible. I would have never watched it if I knew it ended that way. You know, sometimes in our life, we think that we're going to go through emergencies, tragedies, difficulties, circumstances, and we're going to get the end, and the conclusion is going to be terrible. Can I tell you, when God's involved, the conclusion is always good. The conclusion is always good. Yeah, take it to the bank. David says, listen, I've had a long life. I've gone through all different emergency situations, problems, and things. I, I, I can tell you, God is good. Why is he good? Because he, the conclusion is always good. When he works and he, he does amazing things, that conclusion is always good. I can trust it. So if we were to put them all together, we'd say our God is good to me in the intentions and purpose behind everything he allows or does in my life. He is good as he is faithful in his participation in the midst of everything I face. He is good in the conclusion and result he will bring about from all I face in this life. So here's the practical. We talk about God is great. Then we can say, hey, my God is greater than fill in the blank. When we talk about his goodness, it reminds us of this truth. When I face difficulties and emergencies this week, I will remind myself that God is greater than the circumstance. Then I will remind myself of my sovereign God is good. And this circumstance, do not miss it, this circumstance won't change that or operate outside the umbrella of that truth. Now think about it with me. Sometimes we think that what we face is going to operate outside the umbrella or the principle that God has stated. In fact, we'll we'll say something like this. Yeah, I'm going through this difficulty. I'm going through this circumstance, this situation. and, And I know that all things work together for good, but... I know that God promises that he'll bring an expected end and everything's going to work together for good, but you know what we've just done? We've just said that, you know what, I know what God says, God's word says, but 
This thing in my life is going to operate outside the principle that God has established. It will operate outside the umbrella of the the law of God. Can I tell you, never miss it. Our God is sovereign. He is in control of everything. His law applies everywhere, whether man recognizes it or not. And so, my friend, the law and the principle that you and I have just read about, that we have just understood that God's word teaches, is true. He is good. He will bring good from it. And his participation within it will be for good. We can trust him. Though we may not understand it, we may not see how it all works and such, we can trust our God and this will operate under this truth. My God is good. Remember that your God is great. Remember that your God is good. And then number three, The last point we find in verses 15 and 16, and then we'll jump down to verse 19. Look at verse 15. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. Jump down with me, if you will, to verse 19. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Man, I love this. You know what David says? David says, God is great. Never forget it. Number two, God is good. Never forget it. Number three, you know what David says? Your God is generous. Your God is generous. Never forget it. Your God is generous. You need help? You know what the Bible says? He will be a present help in the moment help is needed. He'll be a very present help. You say, well, I need strength. You know what the Bible says? He says he will gird us about with strength. He will literally clothe us with strength when we need it. You need grace? What do we know about grace? It flows sufficiently for every need that we have. You need comfort? You know what the Old New Testament promises? We serve the God of all comfort. You say, this morning, Pastor Henry Bain, I sure do need some peace. Well, you know what our God promises? He'll give the peace that passes all of understanding. He'll give it. You need it. He gives it. He is generous. You say, well, Pastor Henry, I heard about it sung about just a moment ago. I sure do need rest. You know what God will give? I'll not only give rest to your body, but more importantly, you know what he promises? I'll give you rest unto your soul. No one else can promise that. Okay, Posturepedic or anybody else who sells mattresses, they may offer you rest for your body, but no one can offer you rest unto your soul. You need it. God will generously give it. You need wisdom? He says he'll give wisdom How? liberally liberally i love that word because that word really encompasses and pictures well the unmatched unsurpassed generosity of our god you say hey uh, my god he's great that's right his greatness is unsearchable my god is good his goodness is unending my god is generous that generosity is unmatched it's unsurpassed i love the term and there's another term in Scripture that we could use to describe it, okay? Ignore that word life. That shouldn't be on there. He gives liberally all that is needed, and he gives bountifully all that we ask 
of our loving Heavenly Father. He gives bountifully. He gives liberally. It's a good word. Out of His endless store, He daily meets uh, out to each one of us according to our need. In fact, what does the passage say? Yes, He'll meet your needs, but you know what also He does? He satisfies our desires. In fact, it's repeated twice. He'll satisfy the desires. We have a generous God, don't we? There are many parents here. Parents, you ever have needy children? You ever have a, where your children just asking for things, and boy, they need something, I need this, I need this, and I need this, and, and such, and boy, uh, more children have more needs there are to be met, Right? Certainly, Erica faces a lot more than I do. But man, sometimes, boy, just all the needs. I need this, Dad. I need this, Dad. I need this. You know, like, man, I, I can't. You, you ever, man, just so needy. How many Christians do you think there are in the world today? How many children of God do you think are in the world today? Millions? And yet, friend, your God and my God is generous to meet our every need. He's generous to meet every need. And I don't know about you, but I think I sure am a needy child. I need a lot. I find myself asking frequently, God, I need this. God, I need help with this. I I need this, Father. I need this. And I sure am thankful we serve a generous God. He's patient. He's kind. He's generous in his giving. And Paul said, I want to remind you of something. In fact, two things. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. You remember what Paul said? He gives us freely all things in Christ. And then in Philippians chapter 4, in, in verse number 19, he says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And those riches, what is it? He's generous with his riches. You ever find somebody that pinches pennies and won't share it? That's not our God. He has great riches, and yet he is generous with those riches. You know what's amazing, too? There are times that he, we miss out on help and wisdom and comfort and peace and whatever our need. You know what God says you miss out on? Why? Why I miss out on? Because we do not ask. We don't ask. He said, he said well, you, you sometimes don't have what you need. You don't have what I willingly gave you because you do not ask. The known generosity of our God ought to move us to pray and ask Him for help continually casting our care upon him why because our god is generous he's a generous god and he will give you and i freely just ask every emergency every situation every circumstance he will gladly give there's no doubt this week that there will be some challenges we face a crowd this large there may be some large emergencies we face There'll definitely be circumstances and and situations that challenge our faith. They threaten our walking by faith. They'll try, Satan will use it to make us unsteady spiritually. They'll want us to become unsettled in our faith. So let's be prepared. Let's know the proper response in case there's an emergency. We know to break the, the glass and grab the extinguisher. We know to call 911. We know to pull the little lever down. We, we know if we catch on fire to stop, drop, and roll, right? We, we know these things. Now, spiritually, let's be prepared. Let's ensure that our proper response is ready to go. In case of emergencies, we turn our eyes upon God. We look to Him. How? Number one, remember that He is great. My God is greater than fill in the blank 
Number two, remember that our God is good. His greatness is unsearchable. His goodness is unending. And when I think of his goodness, I am reminded that I can trust his intentions are good. I can trust that his participation will be for good. And I can trust that the conclusion of the matter he brings will be good. Then last but not least, remember, our God is generous. Now, can I just tell you right now, you look up this way. There is absolutely nothing we will ever face that we can't handle with God. He is great. He is good. And he is generous.